In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My dear brothers and sisters, the readings this weekend speak to us of second chances. God, who is willing to have mercy and forgiveness for us for our sinfulness and to bring us back to him, and that he will do so over and over again. The first reading from the prophet Ezekiel speaks to us of this reality. The Lord says, are my ways not fair? Are not yours unfair? If the virtuous man turns away from virtue and commits iniquity and dies, he will die for his iniquity. But if he turns from his wickedness that he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Is that two different people here? This reading is not talking about two separate, a virtuous guy and a sinner. It's talking about the same person. It says, when someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it is because of the iniquity he committed that he must die. But if he turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. And I think that's every one of us. I believe all of us are here because we're striving in some way to live a virtuous life. We want to do what's right. We want to glorify God and do good for others. We don't want to do evil deliberately. And yet, how often do we turn away from our virtuous life to live a life or do things that are contrary to the will of God or sinful because of our human weakness? You know, it's us, every one of us. And we have to be aware of that, that God is always willing to receive us back. The gospel today spoke of these two sons. Actually, every time I read this gospel, I don't know if I told you this story before, but it reminds me of when I was 16. Because I was number six of eight kids, and I was a handful, believe me. I don't know how my parents were able to do it with the other seven when they had to deal so much with me. You know. In reality, you ask my parents, you ask my, my father passed, but you ask my mom or brothers and sisters, anytime something was going on in the house, that there was a ruckus in the other room and they didn't know who was involved, it was enough for them to say, Thomas, come out here and whoever's with you this time, they better come too. That's the truth. You know, so when we, I was 16, we went to Mass on that Sunday and we had this reading of the Gospel and I felt really good. Because that was me. My mom or dad would say, hey, go do this. Take out the trash. Hey, wash the dishes. Hey, oh, do that. Get to clean your room. And I would say, no, I don't want to. Ah. Always there was a no. It had to be a no first. And then I'd stop and I'd think and then I'd go and I'd obey and I'd do what I had to do. Right? And so I got home that day from Mass and I said, see, Dad? I'm like that son. The one that always says no, but then I always go and do it. And he, my father said, yep, you are. And you do. But that's not the son that God wants. And I said, what do you mean? Jesus said he's the one who did the will of the Father. And he said he did, but that's still not the son that God wants. And I said, well, what kind of son does God want? And he said, God wants a son like his own. One that says yes and then does yes, like Jesus. Now, that's the last time I argued the scriptures with my dad. <laughs> so... We are like both of these sons. Oftentimes we say yes to God, 
We strive to be virtuous people, and yet we don't go and do what he wants us to do. Or we do the contrary to his will. We allow our passions, or the world, or the devil, to tempt us, to get in the way, and we fall. And other times, after having fallen, we recognize our sinfulness and we say, sorry, God, I want to get back up. I'm going to strive again to do what you've asked me to do. And so, just like the first reading, from virtue to sinfulness and back to virtue, you know, that is who we are as weak, fallen human beings in need of God's grace. And he's not willing just to forgive us once or twice or three times, but every time. You know, I, I honestly believe that if we're sincere, we can't abuse God's mercy because God is mercy. I mean, he sent his son to die on the cross in my place to free me from sin even before I asked of it, to give me new life so that I could come home to him. He wants to save us. And he's done everything in his power to do so. But we have to come back. We have to repent. We have to say, I'm sorry, not just with our lips, but with our actions and our lives, and strive to be the men and women God wants us to be. And he will always give us a second chance. A millionth chance. Because we can fall into the same thing over and over and over again. And yet God is always willing, if we're sincere, to give us another try. Remember the prodigal son? He, get, he barely got his confession out. And the father was already saying, dress him up, get him back in the house. Welcome home. No? I already know all the stuff she did. I'm going to wipe that away. I will give you my mercy and my love. And we need, every one of us, that mercy and that love. So we shouldn't, I mean, at the beginning of this gospel, remember how in the gospels, Jesus, it always says, and Jesus said to his disciples, or Jesus said to the crowd. Here, it says very specifically, Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, what's your opinion? And then he tells us about the two sons. He's comparing them with the son who said yes. Here are the chief priests and the scribes, the virtuous people, those who know the law, those who are waiting for the Messiah, they know all the prophecies. And yet John comes saying, I'm preparing the way, I'm the voice in the desert. They should be saying, oh, the Messiah is coming. Oh, and then they see Jesus doing all these miracles. They should be saying, oh, there he is. And yet Jesus says, you didn't believe. With all that you think that you're so righteous and virtuous, and yet you reject the Son of Man to the point of wanting to put him to death. While the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they heard the message and they realized they were in the wrong state of life and sin and they changed and converted and came back. And so he says, they're getting into heaven before you because you should know and you don't want to accept. They didn't know and they found out and they accepted. Yeah. That's every one of us. How oftentimes when we can be self-righteous, you know, look down on others because of their sinfulness. And think that we're better. Like the, pro the Pharisee that stood in the front saying, I'm not like that guy. No. We should be like the other guy. Have mercy on me, Lord. I'm a sinner. Right? Jesus, 
I don't see Jesus doing this in order to humiliate them or, 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 you know, speak like angry against them. No. Picture Jesus wanting to save the chief priests and the elders. And in love saying, hey, what's wrong, you guys? You should know. And yet you're not believing. The tax collectors and the prostitutes have understood. But you, you have to empty yourself of your pride and, and recognize the work of God in your lives so that you can come home. Recognize that you too are a sinner just like them and you too need conversion just like them. So don't be judging them, judge yourself. Look in the mirror and see what do I need to do in order to come back to God. Jesus wants the salvation of all and he died on the cross for that purpose. And then he gives us the means to come back to him always. I'm sure you all know, you're all aware, you all had your catechism, and you all know there are seven sacraments in the church. Most of those sacraments are one-timers. You know, baptism, it's a one-timer. You're done. Confirmation, one time. It's over. Right? Holy orders, once, ordained, forever. Matrimony, ordinarily, it's a one-timer. If your spouse dies and you get married again, it could be a two-timer, or a three, Right? But usually it's one. Right? Or if there's, it wasn't valid in the first place and you get an annulment, well, that one didn't valid, so it becomes a one-timer anyway. So most of the side, anointing of the sick. Usually it's at the end of your life when you're sick and you're preparing your way to go to heaven, and so you get the anointing. Well, you can get it in other occasions uh, for healing or for major operations or whatnot, but you know, ordinarily it's once, maybe twice in your life. Except for one woman, I, I, every summer, these last 10 years, I went home to visit my mom. And she'd always ask me if I could go anoint her friend, Virginia. Because she's passed now, but 10 years ago, uh, she had discovered cancer and they gave her six months to live. This woman had so much faith, I anointed her and thought she'd be dead by Christmas. Well, the next summer, my mom asked, will you go anoint Virginia again? So I went and I anointed her again. And the third summer, I anointed her again. And the fourth again. And the fifth again. Seven times I anointed this woman. Every time I anointed her, she had so much faith, she sprung back up and she lived another year. Until finally God said, okay, come on home. Right? So ordinarily the anointing is a one-timer or two-timer, but for some people it might be more. But there are two sacraments that we can have as often as possible, as often as we like, as often as needed. One of them is this, the Holy Eucharist. God the Father sent his son to die on a cross and raise from the dead to give us new life. And then, before he did that, he said, I'm going to stay with you. The sacrifice I'm going to make tomorrow, I'm going to leave it here for you so that you can participate in it as often as you like, at least every Sunday to fulfill your obligation. But I'll be there every day, your daily bread. And I'm going to leave my body, blood, soul, and divinity so that you can be nourished, strengthened, enlightened, and find in me the grace you need to be the best man or woman you can be. So the Eucharist, we celebrate Mass every day, not only in this parish, in every parish, in every church around the world. We have this grace of having the body, blood, soul, and divinity, the real presence of Jesus Christ, the God who saved us, who comes to be with us. God, we're so ignorant of the fact that this is what happens, that the churches would be filled on weekdays if we really understood it. 
No, I know it's not always possible because of work schedules and all the rest, but well, we should at least make a spiritual communion every day and say, God, I know you're in the tabernacle. I know you're here with me. Help me to live this day for you. That's a, it's a sacrament you can repeat over. And over. You can receive communion every day if you want to. What a, what a gift from God that he wants to be in communion with us in this way and give us his divine presence so we can actually take him into ourselves. And then there's one other sacrament that you can repeat as often as you need it. And you all know what it is. It's confession. The sacrament of reconciliation. Because we all humbly need to recognize we are all sinners. And we all need to come back to God. Now the church only asks us to go to confession at least once a year. No, at least be humble enough to recognize every year, God, I'm a sinner, have mercy on my soul. At least once a year. That's whether you have mortal sin or not. You should go to confession at least once a year. It's a sign of humility and recognition before God as one of the laws of the church, the body of Christ. Okay? So, if I haven't committed, if I have gone to confession at least once a year, and I haven't committed any mortal sins that I know of, right, I can go to communion every day of the year. Or if I can only get to Mass on Sundays, every Sunday I can receive him. What a gift. Because in the Mass, all of our venial sins and imperfections are forgiven by the sacrifice of Christ who died for our sins. That's why we say, I confess to Almighty God, to you, my brother, that I've sinned. Have mercy, God. Have mercy, Jesus. Have mercy, Christ. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. No. In the Eucharistic prayer, it says that he is given up for us for the, for the forgiveness of sins. Right? So, all of our venial sins and imperfections are forgiven when we come to Mass. If we are sincere in our petition, have mercy on me, Lord. If I've committed a mortal sin, which means death in my soul because I threw God out by something grave which I've committed, no, I deliberately didn't come to Mass on a Sunday because I was just ah, fed up, indifferent, lazy, or whatever, so I didn't fulfill my duty, I didn't love God above all things, it's the first commandment. I didn't keep holy the Lord's day. Third commandment. I didn't keep the law of the church to fulfill my days of obligation. So I shouldn't come back to communion until I get to confession. Or other grave sins. Maybe sins of impurity. Maybe I like watching pornography and masturbating. A sin of impurity. A grave sin. Or fornication or adultery. No. And I think I can just come up and receive Jesus. No, I should get back to confession ASAP as soon as possible. Or maybe I've committed some grave sin of robbery or killing someone or whatever the mortal sin might be. Calumny, where I tell lies about other people in public to, to destroy their name and their fame. You know? Not just the typical judgments and criticisms. Ah, that person, that way. No, those are all venial sins. I'm talking about real serious fault of charity and calumny. Uh, calumny. There are many different sins that we can commit which kill our soul, which damage our soul, which throw God out the window. No? And we need, when we do that, as soon as possible to come back to him, to repent. The virtuous person who falls away needs to return. And if they return, they will receive the grace that they need from God and live. Right? The one who says no needs to reflect and say, oops, Sorry, Lord, here I am. 
That's what these readings are about. That's what we're called to do, to recognize humbly before God our own sinfulness. And not in fear, not, in, uh, not, not like he's a tyrant that's going to kill. No, in love. And joyfully say, you're my father. I need to come back to you. I want to come back to you. Here I am. Forgive me and help me to go forward. And so, if I have any mortal sin on my soul, why do I prefer to sit in that mud rather than to get up and shake it off when God's so willing to give me his mercy? You can't abuse his mercy if you're sincere. That doesn't mean you're not going to fall again. You may fall again. I may fall again. We all may fall again. We all sin. Every one of us. Me first. And so we need to come back to him by recognizing that humbly and saying, Lord, have mercy on my soul. I, I see no logic in the person who recognizes, I have this fault, I have this voice, but I know I'm going to do it again, so I might as well not go because it's, it's useless. No, that's despair. Don't get discouraged. The, the only thing the Lord asks is that we fight to try to be better. He doesn't expect us to be perfect right now. He knows that we're weak, that we need his grace, that we can't do it alone. And so... He is there to give us that grace if we sincerely ask for it from the heart. God, I've sinned. Forgive my sins. I don't want to fall again. And if I do fall again, I'll come back. If I fall a thousand times, Lord, I'm going to get up a thousand and one because I can't despair or let sin get the best of me. That's the devil who wants me to throw in the towel, say it's useless, I'm not no good, I can't do it. The devil gets you down, and then he kicks you while you're down, because that's his way. The Father, God, sees you fall, and he waits and, and says, I'm right here. Turn around. Look at me. I'll pick you up. Come back. I don't want you to be lost. I want you to live. I'm willing and ready to forgive you, but you need to make the effort to come back to me. If the virtuous person falls and then turns back, if he turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Thank God his ways are not our ways because we see somebody do something wrong and we condemn them for eternity. We like to judge and point fingers at others and see how bad they are. We don't look at ourselves and see you know, the beam in our own eye. And yet that's what the Lord invites us to do. I'm not sure if they're going to sing it um, later in communion. I think they are. But we have this song about the mercy of God. Misericordes sicut pater. It means be merciful as the Father is merciful. And he is all mercy. It says the other verse, in eternum misericordia eius. That his mercy is eternal. No? And that he wants us to share that mercy. To receive it and to give it to others. What a gift from God. Let's ask him to help us to understand what he's given us. The Eucharist, confession, second chances, second chances again and again and again and again and again until the end. Huh? If we reject him, it's not his fault. There's another place in scripture that says, what more can I do for you, my people, that I haven't already done? Why do you reject my love and my mercy? Do you know that's the only sin that can't be forgiven? 
God will forgive any sin that's committed in this world. The only one he can't forget is the sin of rejecting his mercy. When I say, I don't want it, I don't want your forgiveness, I don't give a hoot. That's the only sin. That's the deadly sin. Because God's mercy is ready and willing always to be there for you, for me, and for the Pope, for everybody. I know I've taken a long time, but let me just make one comment about the second reading. It says here who we should imitate. You know, oftentimes we can get scandalized because the Pope says something, or the bishop does something, or a priest does something, or a deacon does something, or, or somebody we know in church is a, a good, faithful Catholic, and all of a sudden we hear that they did some, oh, something scandalous or whatever, right? Don't come to church for me or the Pope or anybody. You come for Jesus. You know, if I give you a good example, thanks be to God. If others give you a good example, God bless them. And hopefully we can give each other a good example to live our lives for God. But if one of us fall or make a mistake or, or you know, don't give the right example, don't leave God because of me or somebody else. No. I'm not the one you should follow or each other. Emulate one another, but follow Christ. Be faithful to Christ. Be Christ-like. The apostle said here, do nothing out of selfishness or vainglory. Rather, humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. God, if the world would just do this, it'd be a better place. We're always thinking just about ourselves. If we think about others first, we'd make the world better. Have in you the same attitude that is in Christ Jesus. He was in the form of God, but he wasn't proud and self-righteous and thinking himself better. No, he didn't deem equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found in human appearance, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death and death on a cross. And because of this, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name. Why did Jesus do this? He didn't need to do it for himself. He did it to give us the example of how we should be. Humble ourselves before God, be obedient to his will, recognize our sinfulness, come back to him, and seek to live in his grace. No? Jesus is the example to follow. He is the one that we seek to glorify. Every t of those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, every knee shall bend, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Hopefully we'll do that. Hopefully we'll give glory to his name by recognizing our weakness and our sinfulness, humbly asking forgiveness, no matter how good we are and how hard we try, we're going to fall sometimes. Let's get up humbly and go forward. He'll take our sins. He'll say, thank you for giving me your sins. I don't want them either. I'm going to wipe them out and destroy them forever. And in their place, I'm going to give you my grace and I'm going to give you another chance again, and again, and again. Let's come back to him always. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.